0: Mr. Stone has decided to run a picture of you in next month's issue. Was that absolutely necessary? I'm afraid it is. Okay, you can sleep late that day. Of course I can. God forbid the public ever finds out that Casey Hunter is a woman.
1: I suppose I'm sleeping late that day, too.
0: It's not personal, Benny, but as far as our readers are concerned, Benny Russell is as white as they are. Let's just keep it that way. Oh, yes. If the world is not ready for a woman writer, imagine what would happen if it learned about
1: a Negro with a typewriter.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about everything in the Star Trek universe, uh, quite frankly. Today, we're going to talk about the groundbreaking Star Trek D Space Nine episode Far Beyond the Stars. I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co hosts slash trekkies Starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Kyle Jones. How you doing, man?
0: Uh doing very well. Glad to be here and excited to talk about this episode. Yeah, man. Yeah,
2: it, it definitely should be interesting. Um also on the podcast, we have the in Carrie
3: Brown. What's up, dude? Hello, good people. Glad <laughs> to be here. Excited to talk about this episode. I thought it was Okay, I'll say that for later.
2: Oh, interesting. Interesting. He's holding back. <laughs> also on the podcast, we have the Trek-storian, Jonathan Chorice. How you doing, man?
4: Man, I am awesome. I'm terribly busy lately, but very much excited to talk about one of my most favorite episodes of Trek ever. So let's
5: do it. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you.
2: And last but certainly not least, we have the stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude?
5: I am doing great. I'm also very excited to talk about this episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. This one should be interesting. And I'm definitely excited as well to dive into this one and talk about some things I didn't even remember the last time I watched this. So, but yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So guys, what have you been up to? I kind of got the introductions there. So what what is everybody up to? Everybody doing doing good? Doing well? Surviving the COVID slash uh, protest? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, man. Everything's good, man.
3: It's very busy, man. Very, very busy. Times are changing. That's all I got to say.
0: Yeah. And maybe for the better.
3: Yeah, man.
2: Um, yeah, they had something in Jackson here this weekend and I thought about going out, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I think I was too scared of COVID to get, <laughs> to get out amongst the crowd. But yeah, they definitely had some up here. So it's all interesting and maybe it may somewhat reflect into what we're talking about today, I guess. So I don't have any news myself, but I know Jeremy and Jonathan have some news. So I'm going to throw it over to Jeremy, man. What is your news for today?
5: So apparently Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy, um, was in a Twitter war with, um, I want to make sure I don't butcher his name, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, and Merrill Wilson, the star of Matilda, Hmm. when uh, Deanna Troy made a... Lynn uh, Manuel Miranda made a basically a positive, you know, you know, stay stay positive Twitter post, and Marina replied with, "Could you, for once in your life, say something that actually matters at this time of crisis? Your platitudes are pointless." Mm. And Twitter went crazy. They several people posted like went back to some of his tweets and like posted all the the links, you know, to help bail some of these people out and, and what have you. And then Meryl Wilson got got in, and she said, um, "Hi, Marina. Remember when we did a con together? And you said that America had no history, and when I said Native Americans did, you said the Native Americans never built anything. Wow, because that... I do. Yeah, that's
3: so. Hmm. Now I'm starting to wonder how she really feels about androids." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Wow. Yeah. I, oh, man. So, yeah, I, I actually saw where I'm going to get his name wrong too. Mr. Miranda did a, he did a uh, zoom call for somebody in need and he just like brought the whole cast in to help with the, um, help with the video. They like recited some lines from from Hamilton. So from that on I kind of knew he was a pre- a pretty altruistic guy. So yeah, she just didn't do her homework on this one. Either that or she has some beat some some real beef with the guy that we don't know about.
3: And it, the weird thing to me is like like people start calling her out and she's like I know how he is. I follow him on Twitter and then they started posting all his positive tweets
0: and she was like, "Oh, I guess I was mistaken." <laughs>
2: What? I apologize for.
0: Yeah, so that's yeah. The, the, that's a case of just being quiet and, and don't. It, yeah, I mean, even if she had a beef with him on the side, be between the two of them because ultimately she's the one that's coming out looking badly.
2: Yeah, I mean, do your research before you put somebody on blast. Come on, jeez.
3: I mean, in the in the words of uh, Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to Drew Brees, sometimes you just need to shut the f <laughs> Oh
2: boy, boy, boy! Yeah, like, man. And I have. Would, Go ahead.
3: Uh, I was it would have cost her nothing to like just not say anything. Like sometimes people, I mean, it's like it's like Twitter now was like drunk texting was in the early aughts. Like yeah, you you can do it. Whatever you want, but you probably shouldn't.
2: Yeah. Re- really think about what you're going to say, especially if it's something directly coming on some, someone else. First of all, and second of all, on, on current issues. I mean, uh, it's, it, the internet don't play. They will torture you. They will, uh, they will put you on blast if you say something stupid or crazy. So yeah. You know, and if she truly didn't know, I, I will give her that benefit of the doubt because maybe she didn't. Maybe she, maybe somebody told her that about something he did or something. So, um, that's just crazy.
3: And it's like if 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 the internet will trash uh Drew Brees and J K Rowland, they will yes. go after anybody. Yes. J K Rowland is like an international treasure, and and she getting trashed right now. So like, yeah, you know, slow your roll, slow your roll, people. We'll talk about it after okay. cast, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Old Troy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we, we, we do have another piece of news, and uh John, I'll let you take that.
4: All right. Well, uh a bit more on the positive side of things. Uh Metro UK did a interview with William Shatner, and this was reported by comicbook.com. Uh he said he is open to the idea of returning as James T. Kirk in a future installment of the series but he has some conditions. He said he'd be open to the possibility of returning with the, with the condition that it made reasonable sense and that it wasn't just a cameo.
2: Hmm. So that has my mind wondering how the heck what, can we bring him back? Hmm. I would think it would have to be in like the later season of. Hmm. Cause he did pretty much die in, in uh, the, um,
0: Wow, generations. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it would be kind of easy to bring him back, honestly, because you, yeah, you could bring him back as a holographic image in, a, in, the, in any ship. Now, if you've got holograms that can move around in ships, oh, but he doesn't want to be a cameo either. So, well, he could be written into a storyline. I mean, that's there could be a storyline where they take a, an essence of him convert him into a um, (laughs) he could be like one of those heads on Futurama
1: (laughs) (laughs) no
4: (laughs) (laughs) well they did a good job with data so maybe 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 so which series do you think would be the most logical for him to come into
0: I'd like to see him in Discovery no he doesn't need to come back
2: there's no justifiable reason for him to come back he shouldn't come back in my opinion now, I know some, some true TOS fans might think that's bad to say, but uh, he, he pretty much finished the storyline. I mean, I know characters come back all the time,
3: but... I don't, I don't know. P- unpopular opinion. His best work was in the movies, and that's not saying much. And I mean, he himself
4: earlier this year made the statement that the Kirk role was pretty well played out
3: at this point. Uh, yeah, he did you know. I think he's just feeling jelly because Picard's got his own series. Well, and now he wants. I need, I need
2: my own series too. And I'm, I'm wondering if that might also be spurred by Strange New Worlds and the rumors of a Kirk recasting for that series, a young Kirk.
3: He, he needs to be recast. They recast Spock, and even if Spock was still alive, I mean, if Nemo was still alive, they still would have had to recast Spock. Like it,
0: it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, but just because. He answered a question about, would you come back? And he answered that question. Doesn't necessarily mean he wants to come back.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll put it like this. Um, if I think Shrek needs to explore audio adventures like uh, Doctor Who does, because you definitely could bring him back then. Because uh, he could play, you know, a, a
3: younger Kirk and it not be an issue. Point taken. Or a hmm. CG the series. Or something. I mean, there's ways to bring him back without having him on live
5: action. Uh well what about the animated series that the two animated series that are coming up? He can do a voice like a I know we don't want to do a cameo, but just like a a voice. Or just scratch the trick
4: thing all together and come back in Boston leave it. <laughs> That would be amazing. Uh, I that, agree. That was his program.
3: That was his best best work on TV. I'm yes, sorry. Sorry, yes, Star Trek go guys. Ahead. That was by yeah. far his best work. Now,
4: I'm a Trek guy, and I agree with you.
3: Denny Crane. Who's awesome.
4: <laughs> Denny Crane.
2: Long live Denny Crane.
4: As long as the mad cow hadn't got him.
2: <sighs> well, you know, every every night you have to go on the balcony and get your cigar and your bourbon and just chill.
4: Yep. That is still my life goal to <laughs> get to that. I want a balcony like that too, John. <laughs> Denny Crane, like my man cave was the first step to that, so I'm I got to work on getting a cigar. I don't even know how to smoke cigars, but I'm going it's to learn.
0: Denny Crane, <laughs> cow has a fascination. <laughs> I love Denny Crane. Sorry, that's
3: oh, going to have to be my next binge. Yes, it has to be. A lot of those shows are still relevant to a lot yeah, of more. Yes, yes, it is.
2: Well, guys, let's get into it. Um, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, Far Beyond the Stars. This episode was directed by Avery Brooks, with story by Mark Scott Decree, and it originally aired on February 11th, 1998. The episode was nominated for three Emmy Awards. Outstanding Art Direction for a series. Outstanding Costume Design for a series. And Outstanding Hairstyling for a series. Uh, which is funny since Cisco has no hair, but I guess everybody else. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Captain...
2: Captain Cisco has a full sensory vision of himself as an underappreciated science fiction magazine writer in the 1950s America.
3: Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy and i am it. At ease before you
2: sprain something. So we're going to go around a horn and get everybody's high level view on this episode far beyond the stars and we'll start off with Jeremy what do you think man
5: this was probably one of the most well-written episodes and probably the whole probably the whole star trek actually that was not a specifically star trek episode if that makes any sense
2: it does it does i will totally agree with you that this is uh, first of all is one of my favorite ds9 episodes but it it, it is also one of my favorite uh non uh normal scenario space episode, you know, we usually go into the holodeck. Um I kind of see that as just them having fun. This this is the best version of that. This is when they do it right. So yeah, I, I really love that as well. Uh John, what do you think, man?
4: Man, I'll say it like this the acting level was over 9,000. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Listen, I've I, I, I watched this with my wife and I'll get into more details about what she thought about it. But like, and, what I, and I've said this many times uh, on many episodes, I, I, it just blows me away at the skill of these actors. Like they're already so good at the character, they're their main character that they played throughout the series. But then we go into these, like type episodes and they get to play an entirely different character and they still blow it away. Like that, that to me is like not even one of my favorites in
2: star Trek. It's probably one of my favorite episodes of TV period. Yeah, And we'll get more into it later. Um, You talk about you watching this with your wife, which I find that very fascinating. I want to hear more about that, but I do think this is an episode you can just hand to anybody. It may be, me being a little naive, but I think you can really hand this episode to anybody and say, here, watch this. This is excellent television. And it's especially for us, uh, <laughs> you're going to feel something. You're going to feel right. something.
0: No, I, I agree with you a million percent because, yes, this is Star Trek. Yes, this is sci-fi, but it's sci-fi light. And it's focused more on the human element of what's going on in the story. And the sci-fi element is just a byproduct of the story. It could easily exist as an episode, perhaps, of The Twilight Zone or something like that, where you're doing this period piece and whatever. It did not feel Star Trek to me. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm I'm saying it was a very well-written and very well-executed story. Extremely timely Especially when we're watching it right now. And and that might be
2: why I love it so much. It it does feel like a Twilight Zone episode or outer limits. Um it it definitely has that wonder element to it. And we're gonna get into the reasons why a little bit later. But I'll go ahead and throw it to Carrie and ask you like what is your high level view of
3: this episode? Okay, first off, um I have a couple of thoughts. The first one is as the episode started, I just got like this weird Wizard of Oz vibe. <laughs> Especially because, like the actors, is like I was halfway expecting them at the end to be like, "I had a dream, and you were in it, you were in it, you were in it." But you know, that's just <laughs> oh, I'm glad he did. <laughs> just me being goofy, but like introspectively, like I agree with Jonathan. Like the actors have range. Like, um, there was a couple people, like, because I'm not crazy familiar with Deep Space Nine. There was a couple of people that I assumed were regulars on the show, but I wasn't sure. But then, of course, when they go back and you see, like, the doctor, so I was like, okay, okay, okay. All these guys are on, you know, Neelix. Like, I noticed some of them, you know, because he kind of even looks the same, even though he didn't Wait, have all that. Wait, you mean, Neelix. Uh, not uh, Neelix. The, the one with the ears. Yeah, like the, I, Ar Armin Summerman. There you go. I don't watch this. <laughs> I've never really watched the show. So, yeah, like, I knew that was him, because he he looks a lot he looks similar, yeah. He even does. though he's not an alien makeup, but um, a lot of these actors show a lot of range, and I thought that was impressive. Um, another thing, um, I will say is that, like, like I was saying, I never seen much Deep Space Nine, but this makes me want to watch more of it because um, I thought it was very well put together. The um, Captain, very interesting. Um, you know, especially with the whole like, I have a dream kind of thing it just especially what's happening right now it just resonated with me a lot but that being said i did notice a lot of the race subtleties and one thing i knew from the beginning of this is that there was not going to be a happy ending mainly because of the time period like i like i don't know some people might have watched this episode and been like you know i hope he gets his story published or whatever like i don't know like but being a a 36 year old black man i knew that that story was never going to get printed yeah um, watching this um, so I can't really speak for other races, but that was just my thing. Like I, there was like zero chance, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And honestly, like I felt a little optimistic because of the whole, you know, the whole like dreaming of a better future thing, but it also made me a little sad, yeah, um, just because of, you know, especially what's happening right now and just kind of, you know, I would say it's a mini version, not It's it's a play school version of the first time I watched Roots. Like, yeah, it just kind of makes you upset and sad that, you know, people there were people that lived and died hoping to see a better way or a better future for themselves. And they just never saw it. They died and things never changed. And that just really made me sad. But overall, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. And I see it a few ways. I definitely see it as ending on a sad note. But I think if you're forward looking 300 years in the future, his vision really comes true, you know, in a sense. But what makes me sad is that it took 300 years. Well, I mean, not 300 total years, but somewhere in between it to actually come through. So I I do like that, even though as far as in the inner dream vision part of it, it does not end well. I do see that. No, still that Star Trek bit of optimism at the end where he is still there. He didn't but, make it in a sense.
3: If I may interject, one thing I do want to say though is like, even though it did it kind of end on a somber note, you know, I appreciate them for not going for like the Disney ending on this and, you know, sticking yeah. with the time. And right. I just feel like that had way more impact than if a story would actually got published.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, I think it did give it a lot more impact by not doing it. But I think equally what what I found sad watching this now, and again, we keep referring to everything that's going on in the world right, right now, what really kind of got to me watching this is that in this time period, we're seeing how institutionalized racism was occurring. And we're looking... Years passed, and you know, from when we were growing up, and now we're all of us adults, and we're still dealing with not the same crap, but similar, and and that's sad, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, yeah. I, and and I take it like, okay, this story takes p- place in the nineteen fifties. I imagine, and they've mentioned a lot of them in this episode, the sci fi writers of the time, some of the actual science fiction publications of the time are mentioned in this episode. I imagine back then. They were seeing the the I mean, the 1950s till now, the 2020, they were seeing that as a time of huge change. You know, we'd be so much more evolved by this point. And what's really sad about the whole thing, if you think about from 1950 until now, of course, we've progressed. We've progressed slowly as a as a whole uh, in a lot of ways. And but I don't think. It's where we would want it. I mean, of course, it's not where we want it to be. And even if you're thinking back to maybe some of those sci-fi writers from that time, the 1950s, looking forward, you know, I remember when I was in freaking junior high, middle school or whatever. I thought 2020, you know, that's a long time from now. (laughs) But, you know, we're here now and and things haven't (laughs) changed all that much. And and, and for me, it's different. (laughs) And and it's different for me because um, I think uh, I speak for me and Carrie. I think we had the benefit of 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 not being directly put in a lot of situations that a lot of fellow um, uh, of our fellow people are. And I I think we've had the benefit from that point of view. But still, we still have a long way to go. And I think um, this episode kind of illustrates that.
3: Where are the flying cars? I'm, I'm flying
2: cars.
4: You know what? I what? I another thing I like about this is, it, you know, I think a lot of the problem, a lot of the reason, reason why the progression is not moving as fast, is because really a lot of people don't. It you have to experience it to know it. Yeah. Like it. It. It, it doesn't seem like a big deal to a lot of people. A lot. You know. A lot of people say, well. You know, you tell them a story about well, this happened to me. They're like, well, that wasn't really a big deal. Well, you don't really understand it because you don't experience it. You 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 you, yeah. you didn't feel it. You didn't. You wasn't there. You you didn't yeah. know it. And like an episode like this, and like they did it so well because it wasn't like just it was in your face, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just telling a story and allowing you to take it for what it was, but you 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 have no choice. But to see it and kind of be taken back by it, like, wow. And the next question, like my wife, the first question she asked was, is this really how things were then? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I I mean, I don't take nothing away from her, but I mean, by her being a white woman and she she was raised in, I mean, basically that way. I mean, she wasn't raised around a lot of black people. And I mean, they just don't know. She didn't know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from someone's perspective like that, when something going on like George Floyd and they're like, why are every- Why is everybody so upset or they don't understand how long this has been going on. Her next question to me was, when was this made? What year was this made? Because <laughs> yeah. she's thinking, like, maybe this is something recently, like they produced this episode recently in <laughs> like, <laughs> like This somebody. is in 98 or
1: 90, what, 97, 98?
4: <laughs> 98. Like, and and I think that's the biggest problem, man. It's just you, you have to experience it and you don't know. And I mean, me being in the restaurant business for all of my life and I've, I've had the privilege and actually the, the unprivileged to be around a lot of different attitudes and people. And you see it man. you really do see it. I've experienced it every which way I can. And yeah. I mean, what, until you do that, you really don't know why it's important to change. And I think more things need to be done like this show.
3: Yeah. I mean, John, to back off what you said, to me, a lot of it is about dialogue. I don't think things are that different now, like as far as what's happening. But I feel like with the age of the Internet and everything being on YouTube and on Twitter, people are forced to have a dialogue about it. And that's the difference. Like people just didn't talk about it back like in the 90s. People just didn't really talk about race not the way they do now. And I feel like that's the first step because I mean, if somebody's willing to have a honest discussion with you and just not like have their blinders up and have their, their fence up, um, it, it, it leads to different things. Like one of the things that always irked me when I was younger and even now is when I hear somebody say, I don't see color. Like we are different. I mean, in some, we're, we're similar in a lot of ways, but we are different to say that we're not, um, is to say that we're all treated equally. And that's, Just not just just not reality. So let's have a dialogue. Let's talk about it. You know, let's let me tell you how I see the world. You tell me how you see the world. And let's meet somewhere in the middle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I find it fascinating that your wife asked, when was this made? (laughs) Because watching it again today, I feel like this episode is timeless and that hurts. And that hurts right. because I don't want it to be timeless. No, I agree. I don't want to watch this episode 20 years from now when I'm 60 and it still had the same effect. I really don't. Just makes no sense. Yeah. So, I mean, we got the we, we exact gotta
4: same thing. The exact
2: same scenario I guarantee you happens daily. So the <sighs> I, I feel like we're not going to make it until we can watch this episode and be like all us can be like your wife. Like, what does that mean? When was that? Does is that really how it was? When we can look at it as black people and feel that same way, then we've made it. But we're not there yet. <laughs> we have a long way to go. <laughs> so so I really want to talk about like the the setup for this episode because that that is if some of the weaker parts of the episode. I feel like the setup, I really didn't get a really mm. good explanation. Um he was having stress because his friend got killed. And he had a similar thing with the Prophets before um, in the, in the late early in the in this in the series. So, like, if I had one quirk about it, I'd, I'd say that it really didn't have a great setup as to why he was having the, the visions.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of thought the setup was was essential to the episode, because, I mean, if you think about the episode as a whole, I mean, of course, at the beginning it doesn't necessarily make sense, but when you think about the episode at a whole, he's like, Maybe I should stop being a captain. And right. you know, yeah. and it's like people used to dream about being where I am now. Like I, you know, I have a responsibility. Um, I can't just give up. You know, yeah. I've got to keep going. Like that's what I got from like the overarching theme. But I agree with you, like in the beginning it didn't really it was kinda it was kind of iffy, but I feel like they they tied it up at the
0: end. Yeah, but I gotta agree with what Carrie said earlier because I wrote this down too. Some of the ways that they set it up did give me that Wizard of Oz feel when you go and immediately see all the people that you recognize in these different outfits and different yeah. characters. That, and I was like afraid that you were gonna have that waking up and like, hey, you were there and you were there and you were there moment. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I actually read this in the, um, the trivia facts. And I also noticed it while I was watching it, that, um, if they would have made this just a dream, like it never happened, I think it would have had less impact, which is, is kind of like what they tried to do with the inner story of, of, uh, Benny Russell writing in this paper. Um, and you know, once you dive into the vision and once we are fully, we're fully there, um, it it just started to hit me like a ton of bricks, man. When they talk about um, Kira, uh, forget her character's name in the story. Let me look it up here. Uh, Casey Hunter, she's in the story. Casey Hunter, not a visitor. Uh, it just talks about how she can't come to this photo op because she's a woman, and then then Benny is just like, "Oh, I guess that means me too, huh?" <laughs> I'm like, "Wow." And and from this point, they just started to hit you with you know what I thought. What I thought initially started as possibly a lighthearted story. I really didn't know we were going my first time watching. Of course, I've seen this many times, but I really didn't get that. They were fixing to dive deep in these issues until they were like, Oh, you can't come to the photo shoot and you can't either. And I'm gonna let you guys talk, but it really hurts me to see parts of this episode because I really love Rene Arjabonwa. I really love him. And he had to kind of play the bad guy in this in this episode, which he did a great job of doing. But as much as I love him as Odo, uh, it was hard seeing him be Mr. Paps, Douglas Paps in this episode.
3: With him, I kind of have mixed feelings about him. Like, to me, part of me want, wanted to see him as just being a realist <laughs> and accepting the times for what they were, not necessarily seeing him as racist. I definitely saw his boss or the owner as racist, but, you know... I felt like he was searching for the reason to do the right thing, but in his mind, in his time, he just couldn't see it. I mean, and I mean, some people are just a product of their time. Like I even, I even think about, you know, even to a certain extent, my parents, certain things that I take for granted, like they're like, um, you know, are you sure about that? You know, like yeah. not necessarily just no, but they're like, I don't know about, I don't know
1: about <laughs> this. So
3: yeah. I kind of got that vibe from him a little bit, but you know he certainly could have been a lot more open-minded, but you know again, product of your time, and I know that's not necessarily an excuse, but some people they just accept the world for what it is, and that doesn't necessarily make them racist, but I don't know mixed feelings
5: I, I, well, I fully agree with you, Kerry on that I don't, I don't think he was I think he was trying to justify doing what he knew he couldn't do, but he also had to keep his job.
2: But I give him huge credit for going out on a limb and, and like not over, not only him, but his team. Yeah. All of them were on his side to be like, Oh, let's, let's figure. Oh, is it a dream? Oh, maybe we can change a little bit. We can, yeah, that, that might work. You know, the whole team was on board. And it's to me it's just like an example of like, even though you get all your immediate people on board and we're going to make a change, we're going to do this the right way. Even if we got to tweak it a little bit, you know, to to Benny's uh, displeasure, um, he was getting published. He was happy. And then there's somebody higher up somewhere that's there to knock it down. And I think that's like what a lot of people have faced over the years. And I mean, here's here's the
4: problem, like change. I mean, yes, we need to protest. We need to talk. We need to speak up. We need to stand up. But change is not going to happen unless it starts from the top. Yeah. And, that, and
1: that, that's I perfect. Example. That. Mm.
4: I mean, it, 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 basically, I mean, I, it does help. It does help that everybody stands up and talk. But, like, it, the it, biggest it's issue is the only
3: way things are going to change because, I mean, look at the way businesses and stuff are set up now. Look at the way banks in the stock. Like, none of that, none of the change is going to happen from the top because everybody's comfortable up there. Like, well, that's what I'm going to take the people below them to make them uncomfortable to want to change. Look at what's happened with the NFL, dude. Like all this protesting worked. The NFL completely reversed their position completely. They said they were wrong. I mean, they they admitted they were wrong. They admitted they were wrong about Kaepernick. Like they released a statement like and none of that would have happened if all these people weren't protesting. So I just I straight up disagree with you there. Well, the point is,
4: I mean, Kaepernick still doesn't have a job because the people with money in NFL hadn't
3: been forced to change. He doesn't have a job yet. The season hasn't started. We don't even know when the season is going to start. I, yeah. I, I, I would imagine that somebody's going to give him a flyer. Well, I mean, no, based on what's happening right now, it's it's no longer a PR disaster to to have Colin Kaepernick on your team. So I feel like he's going to get another shot. Well, my my
4: point is though, like we. We need to do more than protest. I mean, all these people out protesting and standing up and I mean, yes, that's great. But when it comes time to
3: vote, when it comes time to decide, I mean, Uh, yeah, I agree with you. A lot of people that should have voted didn't vote. But, you know, you can't just look at the ballot box. You got to look at everything else that's happening. You know, if you have no hope that things are going to change, like, um, is it what's the guy's name? The 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 head of the newspaper. Like if you're like him and you just accept the world for what it is, don't think things are going to change. And there's nothing that's ever happened that will give you any hope that things are going to change. Why would you go and vote?
2: Why? Well, 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 let let me say this and relating it back to the story a little bit. I think even if we wanted to think the owner of the paper was not just despicable, I think it all came to bottom line and really money has a lot to do with it. Cause he was like, Oh, these aren't going to sell, uh, you know, he said pulp them, or whatever they said in the story. So I mean it, it it takes it always takes somebody in power taking risk, whether that's by um force, by uh and when I say force I mean like uh public opinion uh protest or whatever, or by them just being truly altruistic people. It does take somebody in power to change. So it's it's a yin and yang. It's both sides really. Mm-hmm. Having it's like,
3: it's like I even think about Black Panther, like like, yeah, they had to take a risk on Black Panther. They did, and people showed up for it. and it's one of the biggest movies ever. But what if they what if whoever was ahead of Marvel Marvel? thank God they said a super a black superhero mainstream tempo movie has never sold before. it's it's not, you know, like thank yeah. God, they took a risk,
0: yeah, but think about it. Black Panther just real quick was created. In six, So we're talking about how long it takes things to happen. Yep. Black Good Panther point. was created in 66 as a king of an African nation. Same Black Panther as we saw in the movie. It took from 66 to 20-whatever, 17, 16, whatever, yeah. 18, whatever, to get to the theaters.
3: Yeah, Wesley Snipes couldn't even get a Black Panther movie made. He was like <laughs> the action star, black action star in the late 90s, and he couldn't even get one made. So, I mean, it's crazy.
2: Well— uh, I'm I'm going to swing it back to the episode a little bit. Let, let, let's well, yeah, that's a good point, Carrie. Let's talk about uh Benny Russell getting his story actually published.
4: Well, real quick, I want to throw something in right now that's interesting before we get in deep in the story. Just some quick tidbits I found on Wikipedia. Actually, uh, the production staff actually chose Avery Brooks because they wanted a director who had actually experienced racism. Nice, and I don't know exactly what all he, he's experienced, like just actually, but I he's mean, a black male, in right?
2: <laughs> Actor um, at that,
4: <laughs> so I think that was a good call. Um, also, um, the cast, so they said the cast had a little trouble separating their characters in this episode. Um, for instance, uh, Renee, and I don't know how to say his name, I've been
1: <laughs> Jean-
4: um, yeah. Uh, he was kind of hesitant at first uh, to play a being only bad guy character, but he kind of settled into that. Uh, Jeffrey Combs had issues with this part until he realized that both characters are actually coming from a position of authority, so he was kind of actually able to m- like meld those together to yeah. play that part.
2: Well, you and my um, well,
3: Ducat, the bad guys, yeah. the cops. Yeah. Oh, the cops. That was Ducat. It- yeah, yeah, they did, didn't show, they did show like some flashes of Kardashians there, so okay, okay. Mm-hmm.
4: And also, um, the guy that played uh, what's his name? Let me go back up and look. Nog? No, 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 no. Uh, that played that played by Martok. Roy Ritterhouse. Oh yeah, he was good. He was with the pictures. I loved him.
0: <laughs> so oh let me yeah, tell you. he was what's good. Funny
4: about that. The pictures you see the couple episodes. I mean, a couple scenes where he was drawing and you couldn't see what he was drawing. Like drawing is actually his pastime. That's his hobby. Ah. So the whole time he was drawing in those clips, he was actually drawing the cast. That's awesome. Where oh, can nice. we see those? <laughs> that's what I've been trying to find. And I hadn't been able to find those. yet. eBay goods right there. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that's all I had.
2: Yeah. And I was just going to say like, this episode is like, so it's deep in many ways because they go into talking about different writers. Um, I know they mentioned some, a lot of African American writers. They mentioned some like writers that are former Trek writers as well when they're talking about another part. Um, and, and there's like, uh, we see Starbase 11 in, in the first, in the intro when we see, um, Nog and, and Benny Russell picking up the paper and buying it. That, that's Starbase 11 on that cover. And I think there's some more references to Starbase 11 on there. And it's just like they went deep on Easter eggs in this episode and and that is another thing to me like makes it really timeless makes it really endearing and when you think about these characters who we normally see in makeup i know for me my first
0: time seeing it i was like whoa (laughs) this is how they
2: really look this is awesome
0: (laughs) i did not even recognize michael dorn
2: yeah he looks so different (laughs) and and and, and and they were saying metaphorically speaking a lot of people that watch the show want to see how these actors really look. This was for them. And, you know, I have to wonder, um, if maybe there's some meta when we're talking about, uh, uh, while Avery Brooks becoming the black lead on this show as well. Um, does that relate to this in any way? I'm not sure who knows. Uh, but I find that interesting. Uh, so, so another person I really want to talk about, and he actually bites in this episode is, uh, is is Jake Sisko. <laughs> and, and and we have talked, we have talked, Carrie. You have mentioned it too. We brought it up many, many times of the the curse words bring brought up in Trek. But this is the N-bomb. one and only Trek episode with the N word.
3: Thoughts. And and it was appropriate and, you know, like I don't know what y'all's experiences with that word, but the first time I was called that word, I was five years old riding on a school bus. So like it still has weight to me and to see it in star Trek, especially we've been talking about how all these new star Treks are like, are like pushing the envelope. This is pushing the envelope. Like I felt like it was really pushing the envelope for a sci-fi series to not, not only going to race, but you know, go all the way. Didn't, yeah. They didn't really do it half heartedly So yeah, it carried a lot of weight for me.
1: Yeah. yeah,
4: I agree with, I agree with that. Like I, I, I think that was very well written in. Uh, I mean, uh, saying that uh, was well writing was kind of not cool. But, I mean, it does, like you said, it carries weight and it, it's thought provoking. And, you know, just to, again, turn and look at my wife after it said and just to see kind of the expression on her face, like, I can't believe they just said that, you know, wow.
1: what I mean?
4: wow. like that, that says a lot to say not much.
2: Yeah. And, and, and Jimmy again in this episode, I, he, I think he was in his acting was really, I think it was over the top, but it was fine. I, I think that he was kind of playing a voice of people in that time. Cause, cause, uh, when, when Benny comes with this, you know, I, I have this story. It's great. And he's like, man, ain't nobody worried about no color. People don't move. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't no better. Oh, no one cares about that. <laughs>
4: But isn't that isn't that like kind of, you know, a lot of I think a lot of the problem with progress now is because we have
3: a lot of black people that think that way. Dude, like to dream when I when I graduated high school, my dream was to get a job making video games. Half the people in my class, black and white, looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, man. Um and, you know, I never got there, but I feel like I ended up in a pretty good place. But it's just like you got a dream like you have to dream. I mean, if you, nothing's going to change unless you change it.
0: <laughs> but but there are also people who don't have the I'm not saying the ability to dream, I'm meaning the opportunity maybe to dream. And then they get into a situation to where they're making money that is much Easier to be made and much more to be made than what any of us are making right now, and so they get stuck in that. And I, I'm not, I'm not making this up as just assuming. I'm talking about people I've known, and you know, that's. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I could kind of s- see where he was thinking with his going with his thinking, and I'm not saying that that thinking is right. I'm just saying that. Sometimes people get caught in a situation that they choose, yes, not to get out of, but circumstances might put them in that situation.
2: Well, you yeah, know, that's just like Cassie Yates in this story or Cassie in the, the dream world, vision world, where she's like telling Benny, hey, we need to buy this diner. This is a living for us. But yet he has his dream to be a writer, you know, even though it's going to be much harder for him. He's only been doing it for two years. It's going to be much harder for him. You know, nobody knows what he looks like. <laughs> and, and still he has that passion.
3: It goes back to what I was saying about the newspaper editor. I can't remember his name, but the lead of the newspaper where like everybody thinks he's racist. But I feel like you could say the same. Like, I feel like he just wasn't a dreamer. He was a realist. And you could say the same yeah. thing about the, the kid. I can't remember his name either. I'm horrible with the names on this show because I've never watched it. But Jimmy, yeah. Okay. So like... Okay. He is he is accepting his reality for what it is. He's like, "Man, this is this is my way to get money." Like, you know, like <laughs> I got to get that money. Like I I'm I'm not going to be anything like huge, you know, because it's just not going to happen because of the way the world is. I'm, you know, he's 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 in some ways he's being a realist. And I mean, again, 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 I know it's not exactly the same, but I feel like it's the same mentality with accepting reality for what it is and not really being a dreamer. It's more about being a dreamer. Like you have to imagine something better in your head, you know, in order for it to actually, in order for you to actually be able to do better, you have to see it in your head first. You know, you're not just going to wake up one day and be like, Oh, you know,
2: no, I was just going to add like, and what I really hate about Jimmy, like he's, because of that lack of dreaming, like you said, he's reserved himself to just be a hustler. You know, yeah. what I'm gonna do, wash dishes? You know, <laughs> he's reserved himself to just hustling, thieving, stealing, whatever he has to do to get by. And again, I think it goes back to your point is like the lack of being able to dream. You know, again, mention <laughs> space. The only reason it lets in space if it's to clean their shoes or wash their shoes. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I'm, this is where I am. This is what I have to live in, which I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, I'm serious, guys. Unfortunately, I think that's what a lot of people do, especially of our of our color, males of our color. They're like, I'm just here. I'm a hustle. I'm a hustle. I'm a get by any way I can. I'm, I'm, you know, I try. This I may try life. Doing,
3: I can either accept yeah. it or keep fighting up the river. You know. Yeah.
4: And another big uh, another problem with that is, and I kind of experienced this as well. When you're growing up, it's kind of like, what do you see? Like, what, what are your goals? Like, you don't really know what to dream of if you hadn't seen a better dream for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, my goals coming up, even in high school, like, if you'd asked me in high school, Jonathan, what's your goal in life? Like, how do you know you're going to be successful? I would have told you I want to own my own house, make about 50 grand a year, have a great wife, and I'm set. Like, that that's it. I'm done. You know what I mean? I, I, and at the time, I, I had no idea the potential I could, I would have. And, you know, depending on what school you go to, depending on the influence and you know, the people that influence you around you, like that kind of molds your dreams. Yeah. And at the time when I was coming up, like successful people around me that I would see, that was it. That was the dream. Like a large large majority of the people around me like never really own their home they're always renting they're always working some minimum wage job and barely making it and some of them were making it enough to like maybe have about 50 bucks left over till next month bills come by you know what I mean and that to me was like oh you're doing good you're not struggling that's where I want to be like and so for me to dream hey you're going to make $500,000 a year for instance like that would that never really and I mean now it probably not going to happen <laughs> but I mean it, it, never if known, you man. don't have that example if you don't have those things to look at it's kind of hard to make that dream and I mean compliments to Benny Russell for having that dream yeah
2: yeah so uh man <laughs> I feel like we covered so much. I have so (laughs) many
3: thoughts like watching this episode. I'm sorry I'm spilling off on the other stuff, but it's just it 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 evokes so much, so many different emotions for me that aren't even about sci-fi. Um, and I think that's the brilliance of the episode.
0: That's what I was just fixing to say. Isn't that is what's so amazing about this episode? Is yes, it's it's it is what it is for its story, but it snowballs and catapults all these different emotions slash conversations, slash And maybe that's the true brilliance of this story is beyond the stars of what it says, it creates conversation. And I think that's the most important thing anybody can have is a conversation between each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though we have these kind of I
2: I see them as overt examples in this episode of um, marginalizing a, a different group of people, whether it be women or black people in this episode, um, You know, I feel like we like you guys said, we can learn from all that. I I really, really feel we can. And and I again, I just got to go back to giving them a round of applause for having the balls to put this in a Star Trek episode, because this this is really a ballsy episode, man.
4: But it hadn't that been Star Trek from the beginning. I mean, we the first interracial kiss. I mean, you got the one of the first like main black characters in Star Trek.
2: True. But I will say there's a huge difference or a huge shift in this one. And that being that they brought it back to our world. They brought it back. But right. at the time, 40 years from where we were, you know, right. it's not like it's a distant future, you know, which is sad in the distant future. We're still having these same issues. Like on, there's a lot of those episodes on TOS, but uh, they brought it back to our time And they did it with our characters from the future that we already love. So you might like Cisco for totally different reasons. You watched him on six seasons of this show so far. You love him for being a Starfleet captain. But then you see him thrown back into reality 40 years ago at the time and see how he would have been treated. It provides a, a, a perspective
0: you probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Let me say this before I forget it, because I want to actually spin it to the positive for a second. So, you know, Carrie, you made a comment earlier, something to to the effect of talking about generations and 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 how things change and are looked different um, over generations. And I hundred percent agree with everything you just you know you said earlier. But since then, I've been thinking about something, and I and I'm meaning this in a very positive way. You know, I do think change happens. Unfortunately, it's slow, and it does happen sometimes along generational time frames. But you, you know, Jonathan, your your wife is white, and now you know, Carrie. I think I want to use you as an example because my wife is white too. Yeah, right, obviously. <laughs> but, you, but 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 why? But why I want to particularly use you as an example in the generation. You have daughters who will grow up in a different world than what you and all of us have grown up in and different generations that's grown up different from your parents. And, you know, we 50, 60 years ago, your children would have been like f- so frowned upon, but especially here in the South that where where we all live, you know, in Mississippi, well, you, you don't live in Mississippi now. I'm in Texas. You are in Texas. So, in Texas, so <laughs> it, sometimes, oh boy. <laughs> give and take, we're left or right. But you kind of get where I'm going is where I'm trying to say is yeah, th- they're going to, they are the product of change and of yes. positive change. And they'll grow up in a different world than what we are. And that to me gives me hope. Me too,
3: man. Totally. I totally get what you're saying there because I feel like. My kids are going to get exposure because I'm going to tell you, like I grew for for a lot of my childhood. I was kind of jaded about, you know, people of other races. I don't want to get too, But I'm saying like I had experiences in my early childhood that showed me that not everybody is like what you see on TV. Not everybody's like the white people on roots. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I had deep, like significant experiences that changed my viewpoint on a lot of things. And I feel like my kids are going to grow up even more enriched. You know, having a white mom and a black dad. So yeah. I'm, I'm really, you know, looking forward to see how they turn out. Awesome. I just wanted to give a little bit
0: of positivity. So there
3: yeah. you go.
2: Yeah,
0: totally.
3: Yeah, and uh,
2: yeah, I want to talk about the uh, wharf in this episode. Uh, Michael. Donner. I didn't
3: know he. I didn't know he is he is he a regular on Deep Space Nine or something? Because like I yeah. at first I didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. was him. Yeah, he I transitioned. I don't watch the
2: show. Yeah, he transitioned <laughs> from uh, TNG to DS Nine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which was awesome, Actually, by the way. <laughs> I
4: like him more in DS9 than TNG.
2: Yeah. So, we mentioned this when we were doing the movie reviews. Like, every time he pops up, they have to make a reason for him to be there because he's not normally on the Enterprise. So, if you go back and watch him you know, every time he pops up, oh, or if you're here for some weird reason, yeah, go on a mission with us. <laughs> Which is still oh. cool. But yeah, I thought, I thought Michael Dorn was awesome in this episode. And man, you know, I think it was Jeremy that mentioned the good writing. It is a point, like, I think I brought it up earlier when, um, Benny and, uh, I think it was Willie was his name in the episode. When, when they were going at it and it was just like a beautifully written little piece that like, good old you guys for taking the time to do that. Cause I think Cisco says like, uh, you, you struck out. No. Yeah. You, you struck out. And then like, Worf says, but there's always next time at bat, and they were talking about
3: Cassidy. So I, dude, I just, go ahead, you know, dude. Like, when, she, when he's like, What are you doing until 10? <laughs> She's like, Whatever I do, won't people, you It's <laughs> so
2: good. So dude, I good. Die, I died
3: laughing.
2: He was trying, man. Gotta, it. It <laughs> pretty
4: cool that they threw that in as Willie. I, I think they're portraying him as Willie Mays, right? Yeah, yeah, Willie
2: Mays, which I didn't know that the uh, Giants used to be in New York. And around yeah. this time, I think they moved to San Francisco. So, um, yeah.
3: And, and that was another cool thing about this episode. Like, he's a ball player. He's a pro ball player. He's got money. And he's still not free. Like, you know, he still has limitations on it, on what he can do and where he can go. And I just thought it was really interesting for them to point that out, too. You know?
4: Yeah. yeah. Especially a conversation about where he lives. You know, yeah. he him, Like, why don't you stay out and whatever? And he's like, oh. I forget the exact words, but basically, like you said, he said, why would I go out there when I'm not free? I can come here and live
5: like a king. Yeah. Oh, man. What I loved about his character was that no matter how, time, how many times he was shut down, he just still had that smile on his face. And he kept on going because he just knew in his heart he was going to win one day.
3: I'm worried you Gotta down. have a short memory, man. You have a short <laughs> memory. Steve Urkel. <laughs> it's, it's rough out there in the mean streets.
2: Yeah, man. And again, we we get, we, I think we pretty much wrapped this. But man, this is again, just good writing. And again, as, as much as I like Renee Arjavanois, he just really has some great lines where he would just tell speak, like you said, Carrie, speaking the truth, speaking the truth. So he, he had this one line where, uh, are your heroes a Negro captain? We can't print that. No one will believe it. No one will want to put it on a newsstand. It might cause a riot. What? <laughs> you could burn it or stick it in a drawer and wait 50 years. That's how long it might take for, for people to come become colorblind. Just
3: real talk for 1950-ish. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're sensitive, that could be seen as harsh and racist. But he's really just being a real he's just being a real keeping it real. Yeah. He's keeping it real, <laughs> yeah. he keeping it real man. He's keeping it real.
2: What a long way you've come, guys. Oh, man.
4: And then we had the uh another important part in here was when uh Jimmy got beat up by the cops.
2: Yeah, Jimmy got killed.
4: Well, yeah, Jimmy got. He had
3: a (laughs) crowbar in his hand, so they shot him, and that really hit me in the heart, man. Like that hit me hard because that's exactly what we're dealing with right now.
4: Right, this was ninety eight when they made it, and it's the exact same thing.
3: Thank God for cell phone cameras. That's all I got to say.
4: Oh
3: (sighs) boy, boy, boy! Because people have to see. Like, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch that video. Like, um the one with the guy kneeling on the guy's neck. It's hard to watch that, but people need to watch it because people need to know what's actually happening. So that's all I got to say about that.
2: Man, do what Biddy says at the end there. Um, you know, where he says like, I'm tired of being calm. Calm never got me a oh, damn thing.
3: Man. He went all angry black man at the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm a human
2: him. being, damn it. Cisco <laughs> 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 went
3: going off. And the looks on everybody's faces when he lost it, man, priceless.
4: And man, again, the acting in that part, Avery Brooks,
3: man, acted his butt off in that part. I mean, you could just feel the despair in his voice. Like
2: You could definitely tell this story. I mean, although he didn't write it, um, it, it, he acted it from his heart. He directed it from his heart, man. Mm And that—that's what makes it definitely one of my favorite DS9 episodes, and maybe one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. Uh, just oh, God, I don't care. <laughs> oh man,
3: I have to give it—I have to give it five stars because, man, like I said, I want to watch this show now. I'm gonna start at season one and just watch it all the way through because it
4: will be your favorite ever. I promise you. Like just for me, starting watching this episode for this review. Like I've already watched DS9 countless times and I was yeah. trying to go through TNG again and I watched this episode and it just made me start DS9 all over <laughs> again.
2: <laughs> Dude, there there're definitely some beautiful moments between Jake and um Cisco in DS9. Agreed. Dude, beautiful moments. There's a lot
4: of beautiful moments yeah. all throughout this, man. And it and I mean it, this is not the only episode that, you know, kind of deals with so something similar. I mean, it, I mean, you have the Bajorans and the Cardassians. I mean, that's kind of the major plot of it, and it's just how one race of people were being oppressed by another race, yep. and their battle to come out of that and steal what they have to go through even though the oppression is not technically going on anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right.
4: Jesus. It, it, man, Dia's nine is and it, 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 it's, it's just so many Man, watch it, Carrie, watch it I promise you, you will not regret it
2: alright, well anybody else have any closing thoughts before we kind of move on
4: well, I don't know how far we're moving on but I want to talk about the ending
2: yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about it, go for uh, it
4: well, it's just the part that sticks out to me that kind of, this is like made me think, and not really on a fil- philosophical point about current times, but it just as far as the episode, and like, he made the statement at the end when he's talking to his dad. He's like, you know, what if we are the dream? What if this station and me and Cisco and you and I, what if this is the dream and this is not real? What, Benny Russell is the real thing.
2: Oh, sheesh. That hurts, like, man, because
3: it is a dream. It's a TV <laughs> show. <laughs> figuratively, fig, I, I, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. But like, I took that figuratively because I think he... This this I feel like this whole thing just gave him a healthy dose of perspective, you know, and I mean, not to get too personal, but like you guys know, I got laid off the beginning of March or at the end of March. End of March. Yeah. Like March 23rd, I got laid off and like it 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 was really it would have been really easy to get down on myself. And in some ways I did. But when I when I think about like what people that look like me used to go through, like who would have, you know, never had the opportunities that I have, you know, never were able to leave home, never were able to like do the things that we're able to do. It's just, it's hard for me to sit here and feel bad for myself because we have so many more opportunities now yeah. than even our parents did. Yeah. I mean, we ain't got to go back too far, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it, and when you think about stuff like that, I mean, it's really hard to just throw up your hands and just say all oh, the heck with it. You know, like it, it gives you strength to go on. And I feel like he got a lot of that in this episode, whether it was a dream or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm still not 100 percent sure, like what kind of vision. Maybe the prophets just like knocked on his noggin. I don't know. But like, I feel like he got a lot of perspective and it gave him some strength. Maybe.
4: And I think that was kind of the goal of the prophets. Like they needed him to complete his mission. And I mean, that was the best way to show him, like, let's let's show him a picture of a past that he can actually attest to. Yeah. To show him that you do have the strength to go on. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Go ahead, brother Cisco.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Get that fortitude, man. However you can. All right, well, I think we're pretty much ready to wrap this thing up because, <laughs> um, you know, I think anybody that's made it to this point, thank, thanks for listening to our thoughts, trek related or otherwise. I, I really appreciate it.
3: I hope I didn't make you too uncomfortable. People, no. people tell me that sometimes that I talk about stuff freely and don't think about it, and I make other people uncomfortable. So if I did, I'm sorry.
2: Well, that's what we're here for, man. Um, just, just give our point of view on things, and we're not always right, but we're gonna, you know,
0: say it like we see it, you know. And as long as it's heartfelt and it's true, I think that's the best part. And I think everybody has been heartfelt and true on this.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's the episode. I mean, I wanted to review this episode anyway. I don't think we've done it before. Um, I just think it it was timely. I mean, they were talking about it on Star Trek dot com. I saw one other reviewer uh, talk about it, but I think we do uh, our collective group provides a unique perspective with some of us actually being black and then you know the rest of us all being from the south. Um I think we can provide like a unique perspective that maybe a lot of the other people talking about it don't have even though yes, we indeed. even though we might not go into the nuances of the, the Trek side of it. We <laughs> we definitely uh can give a pretty unique perspective. All right. Well at this point we'll go around a horn and see what everybody has been working on, listening to or just want to talk about podcast related or otherwise. And we'll start with you, Jonathan. Oh,
4: man. Um, Not much, man. Not much. I'm doing a lot of working. Uh, Unfortunately, this pandemic uh, caused us to have to lay off a lot of our staff and, you know, unemployment and all. They really don't want to come back to work. So that's been putting me working like 100 hours a week. But other than that, get that money,
3: John, get that money.
4: (laughs) um, Our our uh host mr. Clarence Brown here sent me an invite to play Star Trek Bridge crew uh, and I did fire that up and kind of played through a little bit so I'm ready to get started on uh-huh. that so um,
3: yeah we am gonna do it <laughs> and stream, stream it stream
4: it if anybody's listening out there is interested uh, you can check out a another little project I work on called real insight and we're on Facebook it's a uh, kind of an audio video show where we interview different people about different things in the business world. Uh, our most recent was the our Mississippi Senator Joy Filling game, awesome. uh, which was a very interesting interview. Uh so check that out and more episodes to
2: come. And that's about it. That's all I got. All right. Uh Jeremy, what about you, man?
5: Um just about the complete opposite of Jonathan here. Um I'm on day three of four days off in a row. <laughs> and I've just been a big old bum. And just Live watching. the life, man. Live the life. I'm enjoying it while I can't because <laughs> this, ha, this hasn't happened in 20 years. I, it may be another 20 years before I get four days off in a row on purpose without having to ask. So I've just been just bumming around, watching, just watching TV, not really accomplishing anything. It's felt pretty good. Not going to lie. I have to get them on that Boston legal. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: man, it feels good to veg out every once in a while, man. Just
5: I think it's well-earned. I, I fully believe it's well-earned, so I'm enjoying it while I got it. Oh, yeah. Cal Jones, what about you, man?
2: Podcast-related or otherwise?
0: Uh, since we've mentioned Doctor Who, I would say if anyone is a fan of Doctor Who and wants to know more about Discussing Who, you can check us out at discussingwho.com. We, in a couple of weeks, it's already been recorded, but we will have our 200th episode. So really excited about that and ready for 200 more. So yeah, yeah. 400, 800 more, however many. Oof, I'm going to be like 80 by then.
5: Yeah, but hey
0: <laughs> But yeah com. Alright And Carrie, man What about you? Uh, com. That's it Yeah um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> We um Like we've I've swapped computers And I've had some Issues with my DAWs I'm sitting on an episode Right now As soon as I can get a dump Of our theme song I will have it posted Hopefully tomorrow Or the next day And you know The E3 stuff is happening Right now So some juicy tidbits coming out. No huge news. I know Sony's having their huge presser on the 11th, which is two ah. days from now or three days from now. So, um, look forward to that. We're we're definitely going to dive into that. And John mentioned Bridge Bridge Crew. We got to get a stream going on our Twitch channel. So check us out. Yeah, stay
2: locked in. And I'm pretty sure if we do that, we will put it on our YouTube as well, which I will plug that oh, my parting gift, which is youtubecom slash Trek. Go ahead and give us a subscribe over there. We pretty, pretty, pretty. We really, really, really love it. So um, before we like just leave here, I want to say again, like thanks for everybody for being on this panel and as well as bearing with us. I mean, I, this is probably the most emotional I've ever got on any review of anything. <laughs> I really felt <laughs> it for a moment there. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate it, guys. As always, thank you for tuning in. You could hit us up at Discussing Trek on any of the social medias or send us in feedback or send us in feedback. Please send us in feedback about this episode as it relates to what's going on in the world. Uh, Please send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. As always, guys, thank you for joining us. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper.
1: For adventure. Your
2: traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who. Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com.
1: Discussing Network.